0: We're going to be in the book of Mark, so please open to Mark chapter 4. Specifically, we're going to look in uh, verse 21. And uh, before we cover this week's text, I want to take a minute to recap uh, what parables are from last week. If you were here and you did not hear the teaching, uh, this might be a little confusing. So I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's teaching if you have not. Jose did a great job. Jose is in New York tonight um, suffering for Jesus on vacation eating pizza. He keeps texting me pictures of different pizza places that he is visiting. So make sure to give him a hard time about that when he gets back. Uh, But listen to that podcast. And um, I want to just go over real quick what parables are. And they'll be on the screen so you can write them down. But before we jump into the text, just to get our minds and our hearts in the right place. uh, The first thing is uh, parables are kingdom stories. Um, They are stories about what God is like on earth and what it's like to be a part of his kingdom, uh, which we find out is not always easy um, or desirable. Uh, The second thing is that parables, um, they're not just illustrations as we read through them. They're also invitations. Parables are God's way of inviting you and I into what he's doing in the world around you and I. Uh, The third thing is uh, Jesus is talking to two different audiences here. And it's important for us to understand that when there is a parable going out, it's not just to one people group, those who know Jesus or those who do not those who belong to Jesus and believe his teachings and those who are opposed to him. Now, the followers of Jesus had um, insight and they had understanding to what this really meant. Um, and non-believing, non-believing people, they were nothing more than riddles that were kind of left unsolved and misunderstood. But the main point of a, of a parable and the main point I want to make is that parables are not about us. And it's really important you get that. It's easy to read the scriptures and say, oh, this applies to my life in this way, and that means something about my neighbor. And, and sometimes it really does. But they're not about you. They're about Jesus and his plan for the world around us. So with that in mind, before we jump into this passage, Mark chapter 4, verse 21, I'm going to pray for us. Is that okay with everybody? Yes. And if you're confused why I'm using a pulpit, it's because it's practical and we're going to try to bring them back, okay? Okay. We just want to try to meet everyone's. We want to make everyone comfortable. If you're used to pulpits, there it is, all right? We're going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you for the fact that you've given us this gift, not only of life in your spirit and salvation, but also your word that is tangible. We can grab it. And your word says to us clearly that when we read, when we obey, when we follow what is in your scriptures, we have life and we have life abundantly. So I pray tonight for those of my friends who are here who have not yet maybe experienced some of the blessing of that life abundant. We ask that you would speak to our very hearts, rearrange our minds. I pray specifically that you would give us a fresh perspective and you would just uproot some of the things that are unhealthy in our life. Please uproot the things that are distracting, the the thought processes that are not helpful, that are destructive. And I just pray for amazing radical obedience in myself and in your people. So God, we thank you for this time. We ask for your blessing upon it. In your name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter four, verse 21 says this. He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seeds on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Verse 28, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest is come. Again, he said, what shall the kingdom of God be like? Or what parable shall I use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone, with his own disciples. He explained everything. To gain a better understanding of what's happening, um, I want us to look at some of the specifics in these parables. Obviously, this is a big story. There's a lot going on here, and we're going to dissect it. Um, But to get our our minds and our hearts in the right place, I want us to look at a, a couple things. Why is Jesus, first of all, using long stories to explain his kingdom? Um. My estimation on it, and what others think, is because most great things in life take more than one sentence to describe. These stories that we're reading are loaded with meaning. Um, think of love songs. Anyone have a love song? Anyone? Anyone have that? Like we're a couple and we have a song. Anyone have that? Be honest. Let's be real now. We we will be judging you. That's okay. Yeah, uh, two people. That's half of you are lying. Half of you are lying. Um. If there weren't three to four minute songs of poetry, there might be a lot more single people in the world because what, what would you use to express your love? Oftentimes people say, this is my song, girl, and this is, this is what you mean to me. And then they break out a boys to men song or something like that. If you remember what that, if you don't know what that is, that, that's sad. And you should probably be in the kids area. Um, <laughs> but could you imagine a four minute song of, you're my girl, you're hot you're my girl. Why not? (laughs) Because you're unromantic. It really doesn't capture a woman's heart. As a married man, I know this for sure. But if you're not married, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not good. No, it takes many words to describe the deep and important matters of the kingdom and the heart. Or here's another thought. Um, What if someone asked you to describe what your spouse means to you in one sentence? I mean, if you're married here, that would be incredible. It's hard to truly describe what a person really means to you, especially a spouse with just one sentence. And some of you might be here and say, um, I only need one word, torture. <laughs> and if you're here, we want to pray for you and we want to help you. So come find us afterwards, okay? But if you're here tonight, um, it takes time. And most great things in life take more than one sentence to describe. And so Jesus is using these parables to say, hey, I can't just give you one sentence. It's a big ordeal. It takes a lot of thought. I need you to understand. One more thought on the parables before we jump in too deep. Um, When we grasp God's kingdom, we will be truly living. The whole point of this parable is Jesus keeps saying, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And when we can understand what these parables actually mean, God says, Jesus says to you and to me, hey, you'll be truly living. These parables are meant to wake people up to God's kingdom and the upside down kingdom. And we have to understand that God's kingdom doesn't work in our world's system. It doesn't work the way our world's system works. And it's important that we get this because if we go into this text with our world's perspectives and goals in mind, we're going to get confused and it's not going to make any sense. So as we read this, please be having some glasses on or some lenses over your eyes that Jesus is going to ask you to do some radical things, but it's a part of his kingdom. It's so you understand what he's really trying to speak to you and to me so he can get us to change our heart and act differently for him. So Jesus uses these parables and longer stories because they're not necessarily what we would expect. So he tells us how his kingdom works and each of these parables, and we see how God's kingdom works differently. So um, back to verse 21. We're going to read that parable real quick one more time. Verse 21 says this. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp, put it under a bowl or a bed? No, instead you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I know that's confusing. We'll get to that in a minute. And even more, whoever has will be given more. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, in this parable, Jesus uses a common object, a lamp. Anyone have a lamp in their house? Like a favorite lamp? Like, oh, I got this one lamp and I enjoy it. No, no one loves lamps here, okay? I love lamp. Okay, um, perfect. He uses a familiar place. Um, he uses a home, and the lamp was a, a clay dish back in the day that was filled with oil, and the wick had to be put in the oil to give the light um, the lamp. And they had it had to use itself up, then the oil had to be replenished. If the lamp was not lit or covered up, it did the home no good, obviously. And the apostles here that he's speaking to, they were like a lamp. They were called to shed God's light and to reveal his truth. But they could not do that without first taking in. And this is the encouragement in verse 24 and in verse 25. The disciples were supposed to take in, then pour out to those around them. That's the idea. Another way of thinking of it is that Jesus and his teachings, as we read, are the lamp. His teachings are meant not to be hidden, but to give to people. And so Jesus gives us a model in this parable specifically of what a lamp looks like. And then we as people or disciples can copy and emulate what Jesus is doing. So as we look at this parable, we see a couple things. The one thing that we see is uh, obviously in this first parable that our lives should display God's kingdom. Listen, if you are not taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. And if you are taking notes, definitely write it down. Our lives should display God's kingdom. The idea here is that if you have a light and it's dark out, are you going to put a basket over it? No. No. Uh, you, you remember the song that you sang uh, when you were maybe in, um, maybe in the kids' class area, put it under a bushel? No, right? I'm going to let it shine. Guess what? They're still singing it over there. And if you'd like to learn it right after tonight, we have a children's orientation, 745. We have free food for you and we need your help. So please go. You can learn new songs if you, haven't, if you don't know that one yet. But if you're camping in the middle of the night and you need to use the restroom, Somebody with a flashlight is a priceless gift. If you've ever been camping and you've been by yourself, it is a, it's a gift to have light and you need it. And light is used to reveal what's already around you. It's, it's there. You run into trees. If you've done that before, I'm sorry. It's an embarrassing moment. But you run into trees. It's used to reveal what's already going around you. It's, it's to reveal God's kingdom. And so my question for you, for myself especially, is where can we bring God's kingdom this week? Where can you reveal what's already happening around you in God's kingdom and activity uh, this week? Now, before we get too far, um, I wanna have an honest conversation. This is really hard. If you have been a believer in Jesus for any amount of time, you will find that being a light, so to speak, to reveal God's truth, and his kingdom to those around you is uh, really difficult. My wife, Elizabeth, and I, we love people. Uh, We really do. But we have moments where we get tired and we need rest, just like everybody, and we need a moment to just uh, recharge. And uh, I've come to realize that pointing people to God's kingdom in your community uh, is especially hard at times, because people tend to need you at all the wrong times, and the times when you're trying to go have dinner or trying to play ball with your kid or whatever. It's, it's never convenient. Now, before moving over to the Bethany area and helping start Sunset, um, my wife and I lived in a neighborhood in Tigard. It was a wonderful little community. Um, we, we, loved the, we loved the parks. We loved the location. Um, but do you know how many relationships that we had in that community uh, of two years living there? How many relationships we had? The answer is zero. We had zero relationship. Like, we met our neighbors to make sure they wouldn't rob us when we were on vacation and stuff. But other than that, we we didn't have any genuine relationships. And uh, we didn't know a soul around us. And to be honest, Elizabeth and I failed in the area of bringing God's kingdom to that community, to that area. Because we know that as Jesus followers, that was part of our job, and, and we failed. And so when we moved to the Bethany area, we went in with a different goal and a different perspective. And you'd think that because your goals and your perspectives are different, that you'd start seeing results right away. Um, But no, we talked to neighbors, we're available, we're like, you want to come over for dinner, they're busy. Um, We go over to our Mormon friend's house for dinner, we try to convert them, they try to convert us. It's a great party, if you're ever interested, it's real fun. Um, It's awesome, but it's been a year and a half, and uh, just now we're starting to see what God's up to in our neighborhood. And... uh, I want to tell you a little story about um, a person. We're going to call Sam, and we're going to call her Sam for privacy's sake, because I want her to come to church, and it'd be really embarrassing if you knew her whole life story. And she came to church. You're like, "Oh, you're that? Oh, yeah, we know about that. Yeah, be embarrassing." So we're going to call her Sam. Um, and so, uh, Sam, it is Friday. Uh, this past Friday, Friday is a is a day off in the Moser home. And we love it. It's um, it's a wonderful day. It's a sacred day. Uh, we we hang out, we laugh, we swim, we make hot chocolate excessively because uh, D- Duke loves it. And on day off, you can have as much as you want. And uh, we love it. It's a wonderful day. It's it's a family day. It's a day for recharge. Enjoy all the things that God's put around us. And uh, this past uh, Saturday, uh, last night, I did a wedding for a wonderful couple who just got married, um, Stephen Aubrey Tate, and uh, which meant the rehearsal dinner was Friday at around uh, six o'clock. So I got home at around uh, 7.30 p.m., put the kids to bed, prayed with them, went downstairs um, to have a lovely meal with my wife. And no sooner than uh, we sat down for dinner, I got a call from our neighbor, Sam. Um, Sam's a 42-year-old woman. She's divorced. um, She's been divorced for two years. And right after her divorce, she started dating a guy. And she's been dating him uh, for two two years exactly since she got divorced and was hoping to marry him. And she had just uh, broken up with him over the phone. And so she calls me, and I see that our neighbor's calling, and that's kind of interesting anyway. So I answer, um, and she says, hey, hey, can I come over? And I'm, and I'm thinking, no, in my head. <laughs> but what came out of my lips was yes, and I don't know how this happens. Spirit's crazy sometimes that thinking, no, uh, yes, of course. And she says, I just need a hug and for someone to pray with me. And uh, Sam knows Jesus, but in her words, she hasn't been walking with Jesus for a long time. And uh, she heard that I was a pastor, which is not a good thing in a community because people are either really pumped that you're a pastor or really not pumped that you are a pastor. So we try to keep that on the DL as much as we can. And um, it was incredible. And I can tell you that in this moment, it was so encouraging to be able to be a part of God's kingdom. It really was in that way. And, and being a light that points people to God's kingdom in your community, I'm finding out it is never convenient and it is never desirable. It's always at the wrong time. My wife made a beautiful meal. I was like, oh, no, we're not doing anything. We're shoving food in our mouth as fast as we can. Like, you do the dishes, I'll keep eating. She's like, taking my plate away. Why? I have food. I'm like, no, I'm going to eat that. No, it's done. Clean house. We have to have that clean. Okay. Um, so movie, moving on, sometimes it's inconvenient. And sometimes, like me, you have to fail first to actually do it. But the point is not if you fail or if you succeed. It, it's are you being a light to reveal God's kingdom in your community, in your job, in your life? And so we listened to Sam's story. We prayed, and now we have a new friend that we know will call us if she needs anything. And I want to encourage you, um, as I was encouraged and reminded this week, uh, to ask God to give you opportunities to show His light to the people around you. And then when He gives them to you, please be willing to do it. Be obedient. When He says, talk to that neighbor that drives you crazy, talk to the person that keeps um, their garbage cans out for days at a time, and nobody, I don't get it, they just won't put them away. It's not that difficult. Have grace on those people. Love those people, whoever they are. And so that brings us to a couple thoughts. A couple thoughts before we, uh, before we keep going. Uh, first thought on this parable in God's kingdom, it's not always about what you get so much as it is about what you use. In God's kingdom, it is not about what you get so much as it is about what you use. Um, Jesus says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And in the Greek, it sounds even more confusing. It says this, um, in the Greek, it reads, the measure you measure will be measured. And because of the emphasis on what you measure, it best reads, the measure with which you measure out, it will be measured to you. If you're confused, join the club, all right? Here's what Jesus is simply saying. The people who give the most will have the most. Listen, I say this again. The people who give the most will have the most. As we talked about God's ways, his upside down kingdom is different. And that is so backwards for the way that we live. This is the upside downness and this is how it works. The way to fullness in God's kingdom is to empty yourself. So if you are empty and you are feeling used, and you are feeling like no one appreciates you, and you're feeling down and discouraged, I encourage you to start serving those around you. Start praying for the people that you feel like are walking all over you. Because in God's kingdom, the more we give, the more truly we receive. It's where fullness comes from. And I encourage you all, myself included, I've been asking myself this all all week, how How can I use what God's given me? What has God given me to use? Some some of you have uh, resources, money. Some of you have money. Praise God. Use it for other people. Use it for yourself. Use it for other people. Bless people. Some of you have time. You just have loads of time. Use it for God's glory. What is he asking you to do so you can bless him and bring his kingdom to those around you? Um, This one is really hard for me to be honest. And you can ask my, my gracious wife about how much I need work in this area specifically. Um, I don't have this figured out, but I, I know that when I'm faithful to ask for help from the Spirit and admit that I'm lame at this and start serving, it honestly becomes easier to serve my wife and kids. It becomes easier to sometimes empty the dishwasher. Anyone hate doing that? Is this two people? Let's be honest. Who hates doing that? Anybody? Praise God. Who likes doing that? Because I'm going to have you come over as much as we can. Okay, (laughs) cool. I'll put you on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. Just give me a call after this. We'll get it done. You see, if I want to love my wife uh, the way the Bible talks about it, um, then I need to think about what can I give her? Not what can I take? Not how much can I receive from this wonderful woman, but how much can I give her? And that's biblical love. That's the upside downness of God's kingdom. If you want to live a stagnant life, and I don't think that's anyone's goal, but if you want to live a stagnant life and have a boring life as a Christian, just come each Sunday, learn all that you can, and then do nothing with it. And I promise you, your life will be uneventful. It will not be um, new. It will not be fresh. It will be dull, most likely. And honestly, it feels like death at times. The way to be filled in God's kingdom is to give. The more you pour out, the more you're refreshed. The way to life is through death. The emphasis is on using what you have. Ask God, what has he given you? Um, I love Joshua. Joshua chapter one. I'm going to read this to you. If you turn there, you can. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Maybe you know it. Take a minute to turn there. But if you want to be successful, you have to start serving. You have to humble yourself. And I love uh, Joshua chapter one because it just gives us an insight of what we're supposed to do. I encourage you underline this verse. Make a mark of it as you're turning. As you're turning, look to someone and say, you look good tonight. Great. That's great. And turn to the other person that was obviously your second choice for some weird reason and tell them they look good too. <laughs> tell them they look good too. I see so many offended people right now. You guys really should have thought about this. Um, Joshua chapter one, verse eight says this. uh, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Speaking of the Bible, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, to be honest, I was planning on taking this verse out of my notes, but I just like it so much. I was forcing myself to incorporate it because I wanted to so bad. I want to just encourage you, if you're confused about life, like, how do I do well at life? I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. The Bible, my friends. And I know that life still is difficult, even if you have the Bible in it. But when we are faithful to stay in God's word, to meditate on it, to think about it, and, and most importantly, to obey it, the word and the scripture is so clear. Life is prosperous and successful, And that is not just with financial things, my friends. That is not just with stuff. That's with life. That's with stuff that money can't buy, with experiences nothing experiences can buy. What we see is that being stingy, it leads to to poverty, it leads to depression. Where in your life, where in my life can we start giving? Think about that. I encourage you, write one thing down. Your goal for this week, write one thing down and do it. Where can you start giving? Maybe that's waking up in the morning and not being a grump to everyone around you. Maybe that's just saying hi, all right? Just one word. My goal this week, say hi to someone in my family, all right? Do that if you can. The second parable, we have verse 26 uh, through 29 real quick. says this. The second parable that we see here, uh, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The second thought here is there's a farmer And while the farmer sleeps and rises, this seed that Jesus is speaking of, it grows all by itself. The word in Greek uh, is automate, which is literally means automatically, meaning without human effort. This seed grows even when the farmer's asleep and not doing anything. And even though he can't see it happening, it's still growing beneath the surface. And the growth of the seed isn't directly dependent upon the work the man does. Whether he sleeps or gets up, God's still working. I love Psalm 121, verse 4. It talks about God not sleeping. If you're wondering what he's up to while you're sleeping, he's getting a lot of stuff done, all right? Which leads us to our second thought. Um, In God's kingdom, it's not about the work you do so much as it is about who you work for. Again, God's kingdom is not about the work you do so much as it is about who you work for. At the center of uh, God's kingdom, there's a king, and the king is always on the move, and he's always at work in the world. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary like, like we do. He's always growing his kingdom. And for those who struggle with the Messiah complex at times, meaning you think that the world will only move forward if you are uh, helping it move forward. You're thinking that the world will stop if I don't get up and try to help the world turn on its axis for whatever reason. And if you're here and you're suffering with that, um, God's word says that's ridiculous. Because just how God's it's just not how God's kingdom works at all. We don't grow God's kingdom. God grows his kingdom. We do, however, get to be a part of this. And for that I am really thankful. God grows his kingdom. He grows his church. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I'll read it to you. Uh, Paul speaking here says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And I think that sums it up. He's speaking of the church there specifically saying, man, sometimes I planted seeds, sometimes Apollos watered the seed, but you know what? We're just, we're just throwing stuff in the ground. We're throwing water on it and God's doing the work. And, and that is an exact example, I believe, of this moment, of this, of this parable. If you wanna be used by God, be a faithful man or woman who plants seeds and then waters them, or, or better said, be a person who has a kingdom presence in your community or job. Where can you water or plant seeds? Um, Each day you have a decision to make. We all do. And either you'll be a part of God growing his kingdom or you won't. You choose. Today you can choose that. Tomorrow you can choose that. But even if you don't, he's still going to grow it without you. He doesn't need you. Some of you are thinking, oh, that's so painful. Yes, you heard me right. He does not need you. And I hope that brings peace to some of you tonight. Because some of you are running around crazy thinking that the world depends upon you and your activity. And I promise you, you are important and you're wonderful, but you're not as important as sometimes you think you are. I'm not as important as, at times as I think I am. And I want to remind all of us, myself mainly here, that Jesus is gonna move with or without you. You get to be a part of it. And I encourage you to decide to be a part of it. Um, to be honest, In my opinion, this passage is about trust, mainly. Uh, We want control. We want to grow the seed in our own timing, in our own way. Uh, But being a part of God's kingdom and the upside-down nature of it means that you hand over control. It's completely the opposite of the world. We are all in a need of control, and all of us have different needs for control in different ways, whether that's emotional control or physical control or, or control of your job or your timing or where you move or money, whatever. We all have control issues in different ways. Um, and, and my wife and I had this, uh, had the situation of losing control or, or having to give up control to God rather in a, in a unique way. Um, has anyone ever been pregnant? I haven't, um, to be honest. I know, I know, it's pretty obvious. Um, I remember my wife and I decided to start a family at the ripe old age of 22. It's okay. You can laugh. I know, uh, about about five months into uh, our first pregnancy, um, my, my wonderful wife started going uh, into labor. Um, and I was in Sun River on a youth retreat, and she had already headed home uh, early because she had a job and she was working. So I was in Sun River, and I get a call from my wife telling me that she thinks she's going uh, into labor. And to be honest, my heart absolutely sank. I mean, you could imagine And uh, five days earlier, we found out that we were having a baby boy. So you can imagine the emotions. We find out we're having this baby boy. We're excited. This is incredible. Praise God for this. She's going into labor. Um, And so Elizabeth calls her mom, and she met her at the hospital. And when she arrived, the doctor had said to her, um, it looked like she might be going into labor, but they weren't completely sure. And if she was going into labor, she wasn't far enough along. And the doctor said, if she was to go into full full on labor, that she would not be able to keep the child. There was nothing they could do to stop it. The The drugs to stop labor were too strong. And and if she delivered, he would obviously uh, not make it. We'd lose the baby. And to say the least, like, we were, we were devastated. I mean, we're 22. We think we, yeah, it's time to start a family. 22. Let's do this. And they sent us home and told us um, that all we could do is wait over the weekend. So just go home, hang out. And we're like, are you joking me? We're going to sit on the couch while this happens? Like, it was so overwhelming at the time. And so uh, my my beautiful wife, she was on strict bed rest for the weekend. And if you know my wife, this is not a good thing. She loves accomplishing things. It's one of the biggest blessings to me in my life. Um, Obviously I received that gift and she loves accomplishing things. So strict bed rest was not an ideal situation for her in any uh, way or stretch of the imagination. Uh, so we called everyone we knew to pray. Uh, we went to the elders and had them uh, lay hands on anoint her with oil, pray that God would just keep this little baby in, stop this from happening. And so we went to the doctor on Monday and nothing had progressed. The doctor said to us uh, that you're safe for one more week. And uh, this was kind of the weekly practice for five more long, torturous months. And for those five months, um, Elizabeth had to be on strict Bed rest. Talk about giving up control. Talk about me making dinner. I learned to clean things that I didn't even knew existed, my friends. It was a troubling time. It was a dark time. I'm glad we're over it, babe. Thanks. Thank you for all you do. Oh man. And this was a weekly practice. Go to the doctor, see if anything progressed, and trust God and hope that He would, by His grace, allow this little one to be born. That this little one would actually. Make it here. After a lot of prayer, a lot of tears, and a lot of trust, uh, Duke was born. One day past his due date. And if you've met Duke, you know uh, the world is a better place with him in it. Uh, I think God knew that. I'm obviously biased because I'm his dad. But God has a great plan for that boy. I know it. He got saved uh, two Saturdays ago. He's like, Dad, we were reading a Bible at... uh, Day off also means hot chocolate, which means we, I force like, hey, if you want hot chocolate, we got to read your Bible too. He's like, oh yeah, no problem. Got it. We definitely trick him into it. But he keeps wanting to read the story of Jesus on the cross. And we're like, why are you always wanting to look at these pictures of this guy with all these cuts? And then he asks like, how did he get these cuts? I'm like, well, these guys hit him. Why did they hit him? I, They were being mean. They just wanted, they wanted to hurt him because he was, they thought he was lying, but he wasn't lying. Why was he lying? Jesus shouldn't lie. I know. Like, this is my life right now. And and he goes, I was like, well, he had to die so we could be saved and, and, and be Christians, which are like little Christ. Like we walk around and we can, like, that's why we serve our neighbors. That's why we love people. And then he goes, he goes, well, Dad, I want to be a Christian. I was like, all right, Elizabeth, get your iPhone out. Let's go up to the room right now. You're going to videotape this moment. And, uh, and he received Jesus in his heart. He still doesn't obviously know all the details of it, but he loves uh, telling me that he's a Christian. And he usually every week goes, hey, Dad, am I still a Christian? <laughs> Dude, it's stuck. Yeah, you're still a Christian, for sure. Um, Man, I love, um, at the age of 23, my wife and I had to learn, uh, whether we wanted to or not, that God was in control, complete control. And there's nothing like those moments to help you remember that you can't do anything about this. There was no drug, there was no person, there was no thing that could stop this from happening. And and as a husband, I'm just like, what are we gonna do? I'm just I'm so frustrated and you can't do anything and you're so so weak at times. And God says, Nope, hey in my kingdom, it's about handing out over that control in every way. The last parable we see, let's read there real quick. Uh, verse verse thirty. I love this, this parable. This is a classic parable. I'm sure you've heard it before, but, but listen up. Again, he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Is it like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth? Yet when planted, it grows and uh, becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was along with his own disciples, he explained everything to them. If I were to take a, a mustard seed out of a bag right now and, and show you, uh, you wouldn't be able to see it. I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed uh, when they grow, obviously quite potent, um, but you can't see it. And and that's that's the point. At the start, a mustard seed is the smallest seed, but in the end, the scriptures say, it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. Jesus says, this is how my kingdom works. Last thought on, uh, on the kingdom of God today. Uh, last thought. It's not about starting big so much as it is about starting small. In the kingdom of God, it's not about starting big so much as it is about starting small. Or you could say it this way. God's kingdom is not about being great as much as it is about being faithful. It's not about being great as much as it is about, excuse me, being faithful. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, don't look down on the small things, on the small beginnings. That's how God's kingdom works. It's like a mustard seed. We see this all the time. God's kingdom starts out small, but we want to start big, right? We want mass revivals. We want flashing lights. We want hype. We want momentum. And this is true not only now, it's true historically. Think of the now millions of Christians in the world stemming from a movement of 12 rather incompetent teenage boys who were following around Jesus in the little town called Nazareth. It started small, 12 guys hanging out, millions of people following Jesus today. But really, God's kingdom starts when a couple of people start praying. Um, The reason I was... Excited about Phil leading tonight, uh, leading worship was because uh, Phil and Diane were the ones who started Salt Rock. And to give you, if you're new here, Salt Rock has three different locations Westside, Downtown, and Sunset. And uh, you know how Salt Rock started? It started with this couple sitting in the front row here saying, Jesus, we'd like to lead some of your people someday. Show us how that works. Show us when. And and I I, I love this. And, And I was talking to Phil last week and I was asking some questions like, How long did it really take from the time you felt called to start Solid Rock to the time it actually started with, like, it was an actual church? You know how long it was? Five long years. From the time they felt that on their heart, Jesus, we we feel like we're supposed to start a church somewhere. If you'd have us leave, wonderful. How long? Five years. And you know what? It started out really small. It started out with a few people, a prayer meeting, then in a school, and then in a cafeteria. And then if you were over around that time in, in, in the G building, if you don't know what that means, I apologize, we're not gangster. We're just, that's what it was called. And then uh, we, had, we had the T building, which is now West Side. And then we're like, oh, let's start the way. And then there was a college movement of, of students, of just thousands of college age students. And then, we're, then Jesus said, hey, why don't we start downtown? So we started downtown and then he said, start sunset. And now we're here. One couple said, Jesus, show us. If you'd like us to shepherd some of your people, we'd love to do it. They're sitting here right now. That's just one couple, my friends. What if you went home tonight and said, I I just, I'll do whatever you want, God. I don't, I have a couple loaves of fish. I have a small mustard seed, but you start out small. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm faithful. May I encourage you tonight? Don't miss out on the blessing that God has on your life. But most often, the kingdom starts with little things, and we know that. It starts with maybe doing your homework well unto the glory of God, not failing your classes. Try that one. It starts with forgiving the person who wronged you last week and hurt your feelings, and and maybe you just need to to forgive them. The kingdom starts when you and your spouse start praying for your kids. It starts when you come clean, clean about a lie that you told someone earlier this week. It starts with a little tiny mustard seed. It's about being faithful. You know, to be honest, in my own life, um, I was not pumped about being in ministry. That was like not my idea. That was not my call. Like standing up here was not like, man, one day I'm gonna do that. Like that was not it. That was not the plan at all. And I didn't start off by teaching the scriptures on the weekends. I, would, no, I started out hanging out with uh, middle schoolers. Anyone have a middle schooler or is a middle schooler in this room? Please raise your hand so I can see you. okay. I'm going to pray for all of you. It's an interesting age, middle school, and uh, you don't realize that until you're encouraged to lead them and teach them the Bible and stay in a small room with them and all the different odors that might come about for hours at a time. You really learn to cling to Jesus. You really do. And... um, I remember my job was uh, to love middle school students and to clean and to be responsible for unloading and loading the trailer and uh, anything that needed to be done. I mean, there's literally a spot on my job description that said, and anything else that needs to happen, all, all other duties as assigned. So that means they can ask you to do whatever and you're like, oh yeah, I gotta do it. So wonderful opportunity to learn, to be faithful. It starts in God's kingdom, the way to up is down. It really is. And tonight... I want us to end by reading a verse that I believe really helps us know how to live in this upside down kingdom in a very uh, practical way. And uh, we're going to throw it on the screens. It's James chapter four. Um, It's 10 verses, but I want to read it to you because I believe this passage of scripture really helps us understand practically what it is like to be in God's kingdom, not our own, not our own world's ways. And I encourage you this week, read through this. Don't just read it now, read through it. And um, we're gonna throw it on the screens, but I'm gonna read it to you. So please follow along if you can. It's just powerful, wonderful verse. James chapter four, verse one says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet and you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend it on what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or or do you think the scripture says without reason that Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's powerful. As I was praying uh, for this, teaching this weekend, I'm praying for all of you this past weekend. I asked Jesus if there was anything specifically that I was supposed to share with this community, with this people and just in general, asking the Spirit, is there anything we need to hear? What do you want us to hear? Obviously, your scriptures are powerful, but is there anything that you want um, me to share that, or, or us to know that you're you're up to? And here's a few things um, I believe the Spirit might be saying to you and to me, and you can weigh this as you will, but just a couple things that I want us to think on as we leave. Obviously, James 4, but a couple things. Um, the first is, um, I believe God would say to you and to me especially that his love is, is not complex. One more time. I believe that we need to remember that God's love is not complex. This is not crazy, as crazy as we make it at times. It's not. God says, I love you. I forgave you. That's that. You say, but God, I've got the No, that's that. But I did. Th- I know, but, but that's that. My love's not complex. I'm not trying to confuse you. God's not trying to confuse you. He's forgiven you. His love's not complex. The second thing is, I believe God has great plans for every single person sitting in this room. And I mean great, incredible, wonderful plans. But I believe the problem tends to be in my own life and and, and maybe yours, um, that we're not willing to always live in this upside down kingdom. Like he has a great plan for you, but you're not able to live it because you go, you know The way to up is up and I am going to look out for myself and no one else is looking after me. I can't trust God that much. I mean, I can't give over the control. But he says, no, 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 I have the key for you to live. Live in this upside down kingdom and I will be able to use you in ways that you've always wanted. In ways that are deep down in your soul. Maybe you're here tonight, you've had a longing for a really long time to do something and you haven't told anybody. You have no idea why it's there but, but God's put it there, and you're like, how do I access this life? How do I access this desire? I believe one of the keys, my friends, tonight is, is living in the upside-down kingdom that, that Jesus describes to us. And The last thing for you and for me as we leave is um, don't try to impress God out of obligation. Do it because there's a d- deep longing in your heart to love and serve Him. Don't try to impress God. Don't try to pray because it's just the right thing to do. Do it because you love him and because he loves you. He really cares for you. And I want to encourage every single person tonight, no matter what walk of life you've come from, no matter what you are brought in tonight. Some of you maybe were arguing with your spouse on the way here. The kids were going crazy and stuff was going nuts. I mean, life happens and I know you're coming here, you're sitting down, you're listening to this and I know this will hit everyone in a different way. But I promise you, if you will cling to God's word, as Joshua 1 tells us, and you will commit to living in this upside down way, I promise you, Jesus will be able to get to your heart. He'll rearrange it and he will bless you. Amen. Amen. Pray with me.